This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. From AMI Central. Now circling in the neutral zone. Here's the pitch on the way. 36 yards for the win. This. Here comes the big chance. The shot is. Is this the tiger? The neutral zone. This is as good as it gets. Now, here's your host, two-time Paralympian, Brock Richardson. What's going on? It's time for another edition of The Neutral Zone. I am indeed your host, Brock Richardson. And man, if you are excited for a weekend, as I often am, it doesn't really matter what's going on in my world. But this weekend especially, there are sports at a plenty coming at you. We got Wild Card Weekend. We got some hockey going on. We got the Raptors kicking off the weekend tonight. Lots of great stuff going on in the sports world. And, of course, the Novak Djokovic saga is continuing. And I'll give you that update in mere moments on the headlines. And we'll keep you abreast to anything that may happen in the next hour regarding that. So stay tuned for that. Joining me right now is Cam Jenkins. Cameron, how are you? And you know, okay, Brock. Uh, seems like every Friday when I'm on the show, it's nothing but blue skies. So I don't know if like you bring the blue skies or if I bring the blue skies, but I'm liking the blue skies when uh, we're on the air. Yes, the blue skies are acceptable for sure. And maybe it's your energy that brings the blue skies to us. So uh, that could be, and I'm going with it. What are you most excited? Oh, I was just going to say, how are you doing, Brock? And uh, what's been going on this week with you? I'm uh, doing pretty well. I'm getting uh, past uh, the uh, isolation period that I had to be under because I was under the weather for a bit. If you uh, tolerated my voice last week, thank you, as it was a little bit um, scratchy, I would say, but... Things are uh, recovering well, and so all is well. Looking forward for a great show and great sports weekend, as I mentioned. And how are you doing? Yeah, um, I'm doing good. This week's been a good week, kind of getting some stuff done, uh, which is always good, kind of cleaning the place up. So, yeah, just doing a lot of self-care for myself to, um, yeah, be in that good frame of mind, uh, hopefully every day. And I'm really looking to forward to the playoffs this uh, Sunday. Um, looking um, very interested to see how the Novak situation kind of plays out. And then, of course, um, you know, we all love hockey. And obviously, everyone knows my team I love is the Maple Leafs. So after a 2-1 loss to Arizona the other night, um, where I think the Leafs just got goalie. They don't really have anything to worry about. Uh, looking forward to the game this weekend to see how they do. Yes, it's uh, it's definitely uh, definitely a challenge when you uh, get in front of a hot goalie. And I know from your career, you're all too familiar for making uh, 10 bell saves, which we saw uh, this past weekend from Arizona. But I do think the Leafs will... Uh, bounce back and be just fine, as will most Canadian teams uh, who are doing well, and most of them are battling uh, COVID-19 and Omicron, and so we're seeing lots of good hockey Canada-wide. Let's get into our headlines for this week. 
congratulations goes out to the Georgia Bulldogs, except for Claire Buchanan, who would not want to congratulate them out of the neutral zone, for winning their fifth school championship. They defeated Alabama 33-18. Yes, Claire would not want to thank them, I agree. Novak Djokovic has won his initial appeal which was initially denied by Australia ahead of the Australian Open. However, this is not the end of the story as because immig- the head of immigration has used his ability to deny his visa yet again. Novak Djokovic is being detained in a hotel for the second time within this period uh, that we are discussing and there is no word as to whether he will or will not officially appeal. Lawyers are talking about it. It is 8 a.m. Eastern Time, or 8 a.m. in Australia, as we sit here a little after 4 in the East. Felix Ogur Alassium and Denis Shapovalov have helped Canada bring home its first ATP Cup title. Felix clinched the ATP Cup title for Canada on Sunday with a 7-6-6-3 singles victory over Roberto Bautista to give his country an insurmountable 2-0 lead against Spain. Two former off-ice officials with the NHL have filed a lawsuit against the league as they were pretextual for pretextual reasons as they were called out ex-supervisors for racial behavior. So this is not good in that light for the NHL and we'll see how this investigation does continue moving forward. Those are your headlines for this week. Let's check in on our Twitter poll questions. Let's go back to last week. Given the current state of the pandemic, do you believe the Olympic and Paralympic Games should run? 69% said no, and 31% said yes. Cameron, thoughts on that? Do you agree with that poll? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with it. Uh, I think I, because Omicron is, uh, um, you know, uh, going around the world like wildfire, a lot of people are catching it, uh, even though they are vaccinated. Um, you never know. What, like for you, you might not be able um, to, or you may not get that sick with it. But the problem is, is if you pass it on to somebody um, that is immune compromised uh, and they might get it. So I think in the... Um, spirit of the games and you know uh thinking of teamwork uh, i think very much so it should uh, be no yes i agree with you and i agree with this poll result as well at this point unless the uh, world takes a dramatic turn in relation to the omicron uh, variant i think this is where it should be but lots to be decided there as we're still a little around a month before the Olympic Games do open up. If you were in charge of the Australian Open and the Novak Djokovic situation, would you allow him to play? That's this week's Twitter poll. The choices are yes or no. And it would seem that there's lots of feedback on this poll already. A lot of people are saying no jab, no play, which is something I agree with 100%. Coming up next, after the break, we're going to talk about para-biathlon. Right after the break here on The Neutral Zone, stay with us. We'll be back. 
And welcome back to the Neutral Zone AMI broadcast booth. And we are set to get this ball game underway. The first pitch brought to you by Brock Richardson's Twitter account at NeutralZoneBR. First pitch, strike. And hey, gang, why not strike up a Twitter chat with Claire Buchanan for the Neutral Zone? Find her at Neutral Zone CB. And there's a swing and a chopper out to second base right at Claire. She picks up the ball, throws it over to first base for a routine out. And fans, there is nothing routine about connecting with Cam and Josh from the Neutral Zone. At Neutral Zone, Cam J and at J Watson 200. Now that's a winning combination. And this organ interlude is brought to you by AMI-audio on Twitter. Get in touch with the Neutral Zone. Type in at AMI-audio. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, joined by Cam Jenkins. And for those of you who are avid listeners to the program and you're going, wait a minute, there's usually three of them. Well, Josh Watson is stuck in, and I will steal the words of one technician, Matt Agnew, stuck in update limbo of things that are going on in the world. So we're hoping to get him on the program as soon as we can, but... Poor Mr. Watson has been bit by Windows updates. So we will hear from him as soon as he is available to be on the program. Hey, uh, Cameron, we've had a lot of fun covering uh, various sports uh, in the para community. And we did it uh, last summer uh, for the first time um, because these were the first games that we were actually on the air for. And we really enjoyed doing it. And so we continued it for the winter. And today we're focusing on para biathlon. And you and I are going to take charge in telling people how this works. And you're going to handle the history and how to play. And then we'll move down to classification. Yeah, absolutely. So as uh, Brock just mentioned, let's start off with the history. And the biathlon, it combines cross-country skiing and rifle shooting. But parabiathlon differs from Olympic biathlon because skiers must always shoot from a prone position. Uh, Athletes' start times are staggered by a 30-second interval system as well. Uh, Biathlon for athletes with a physical disability, it was first introduced at the Paralympic Games at Innsbruck, Austria, in 1988. It became a medal event for men and women at the Lillehammer Games in 1994, where for the first time Nordic skiers competed at the same venue used for the Olympic Winter Games. Uh, Mark Arendez currently holds five medals in para-Nordic biathlon. The International Paralympic Committee is the world governing body following modified rules of the International Biathlon Unit and International Ski Federation, respectively. And Nordic Canada is the National Sport Federation. Uh, So now that we know a little bit about the history, I'm now going to go into how to uh, play the sport. And biathlon is divided into short distance and long distance. So for the short distance portion, skiers race around 2.5 kilometer loop and stopping twice to take five shots at a targeted place 10 meters away. Now, long distance, it's similar, but skiers must complete five trips around the loop, stopping to shoot four times. 
For their shooting portion, skiers with a visual impairment use an electronic beam system, including a headset, that plays a varying acoustic signal to indicate when they are on target. Uh, the higher the pitch, the closer to the center of the target. Uh, now, each shooting bout has five targets in a row that must be hit within their 15-millimeter bullseye. In short distance, a penalty loop must be skied for each missed shot. Depending on the athlete's classification, the loop may be 100 meters or 150 meters. Now, in long-distance individual race, a one-minute time penalty is added to the athlete's time for each missed shot. And then if we talk a little bit about classifications, classifications, as with most parasports, are determined by individuals' impairments and how they are affected with their disabilities. And so if we're talking about standing classes, they are LW2 to L to to LW9. LW2 to LW4 are skiers with leg impairments. LW5 to LW8 are for skiers with arm impairments. And LW9 are for skiers with combined combination of arm and leg impairments. Skiers that are classed LW10 to LW12 are all sit with the, the impairments infecting affecting their lower body. And this Cameron is the class that I am the class that I am really really fascinated by. The visual impairment classifications are B1 to B3 in this case. And for me, Cameron, having a visual impairment myself, I would not trust myself shooting anything, let alone with any accuracy at all. So uh, mad props to those individuals in that category because it's amazing to think that they can be so accurate even with a visual impairment. So that's pretty cool. And, and then we have, for the equipment, we have uh, rifles, which shall be done with types of air, CO2 rifle, and a combination of appearance with five-shot clip and adequate as ad adaptations there as well. So pretty cool in that regard there. Cameron, you're back. Yeah, I certainly am. Um, so I think uh, we want to talk about the uh, actual ski now. And the ski is made from fiberglass. Uh, classical skis are usually 25 centimeters to 30 centimeters taller than the height of a skier. Um, they're light. They weigh less. Um, they're narrow. Uh, they have curved tips and uh, what's called a cambered midsection, which is thicker and it's arched. Uh, free technique skis are about 10 centimeters to 15 centimeters shorter for greater maneuvering. They're also normally stiffer and have tips that curve less than classical technique skis. Uh, the underside of both types of skis has a groove down the center to keep the ski straight when going time downhill. 
That's pretty cool. And uh, let's chat about the target. Biathlon uses metal drop-down targets, of which consist of white target face plate with five target um, adaptions. So they're, they're, it's kind of like a, a dartboard is how I would imagine, which are five openings knock, and they knock down falling plates while you're shooting the targets. The scoring plates must be knocked down to be scored. And the Sitski, uh, we want to talk a little bit about that. And it's just that some athletes with a physical impairment, uh, they keep uh, they compete from a sitting position using a Sitski. So their chair includes seatbelts and other strappings as well. Is this, Cameron, something you would you would do, a sport that you would give a try to? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to be able to try it. Um, I've never really shot a rifle before. Uh, so being able to kind of ski and then hit the targets, yeah, like I'd be super interested in that and really interested to see like if you're skiing a certain amount of time and then you kind of got to be able to hit that target and just how your muscles would be in your arms to be able to hold the rifle study to be able to shoot it in that small area. Uh, yeah, like it would be really intriguing to see how much that affects uh, your shot. And then when you add, um, when you add snow, um, you know, to all of this and you're moving and then there's ice and things like that, it would just be really hard to do in a general sense. But then you add the element of you know, weather and things like that. It, w- it would just be amazing. I've seen it and they make it look far easier than I'm sure uh, it would it would actually be, which is most cases for athletes uh, in, in, in general, they make it look far easier than it actually is. I mean, I know that people would say to me, oh, Bocce's just like throwing to a target and uh, it can't be that hard. And then people would take a seat and uh, it would be really hard. And, and I really believe that that's, that's signifying of all um, parasports and sports in general. So it would be interesting to try. I, for one, would, as I said, would not trust myself with, <laughs> with a rifle to be able to do that. <laughs> I, 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 did do, I did do archery, which was the closest thing I, I, I did at camp. And, and I have to say I had a lot of assistance to make sure that I uh, didn't hit anyone in the eye or in any, uh, you know, important uh, body parts. So for me, this would be a challenge, uh, Cameron. uh, But I think, Brock, that I think that would be a really good team building exercise for uh, the neutral zone to go out and to be able to try that. So if there's any uh, para-Nordic skiers uh, out there, um, biathlon that, uh, you know, want to invite us out to try it out, please feel free to, you know, uh, tweet us out or, uh, you know, um, yeah, reach out to us. Cause you know, as long as I'm behind you, Brock, I, I wouldn't be scared about, uh, going with you. So yeah, I'd love to be able to try it out. So, so you wouldn't be standing beside me helping oh, me hold no. the rifle is what, I, is, oh, God, no. is what I'm getting. Yeah. That, that's, oh, God, no. That would be a lot of people, uh, a lot of people that would be in that, uh, in that camp for sure. Um, for me, I, I like this is the one that I, I really look at it as a sport that that fascinates me for reasons that I 
mentioned, but I it's it's got to be hard when you also may have um, restrictive of like having only one arm because while you're moving, like in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you use your arms and your legs to, to balance while moving on the ice, and then you have to shoot while moving. It would just be really hard to accomplish in my mind, Cameron. Oh, absolutely. Like, I don't know how, like, especially with the sit skiing, um, you know, I guess everybody has their own uh, challenges at the end of the day, but um, having to sit ski and then be able to shoot, uh, like all the upper body strength that it takes to um, be able to sit ski, which I've tried before, mind you, it was downhill. It wasn't necessarily uh, this type of skiing, but like your upper body has to be, uh, you know, so much strength to be able to balance and to be able to move that sit ski. Um, and then, yeah, like, as I mentioned before, just being able to try to hit the target uh, when you're so far away to be able to do it. And actually at uh, the last uh, Paralympics that happened, the winter ones, um, or it might've been the summer ones. Uh, so it wasn't necessarily skiing, but uh, um, they were doing the uh, rifling. And yeah, it was just amazing to see um, because sometimes you have uh, different impairments. So you may have a person with one arm. Um, yeah, it's just uh, amazing how people adapt to what they need to be to be able to adapt to, uh, to be able to get the job done. So uh, you were talking before, Brock, about archery and how archery, uh, you tried it. And I also watched archery during the uh, Summer Paralympics, uh, you know, a few months ago. And the people that were actually using um, their foot to be able to, uh, you know, um, shoot the bow and arrow or for the archers to be able to do that or to hold it with their feet to balance it, um, it it's just so intriguing to me um, how adaptable people can be when they need to be to be able to do what they want. And the thing, too, that I want to say is this would be a challenging sport if you're not being timed. But all of this is in a situation where you've got to do this quickly because you want to be near the top. And so to do all of the things we said, not being timed would be a challenge in in and of itself. But then you've got to do it with speed and fluidity and all that stuff. So anyone that does that sport, I commend. And it's really amazing to learn that uh, how they how they get this done. It's it's really good, even for us who put these uh, segments together we learn a lot and this was one that i learned a lot with as well coming up next we're going to chat a little bit about mainstream sports we're going to chat about evander kane we're going to chat about bruce boudreaux the effect he's had on the vancouver canucks and then we'll get into a little football chat all in the second half of the neutral zone stay with us we'll be right back Welcome back to the Neutral Zone. I am your host, Brock Richardson, alongside Cam Jenkins. And we've had a great first half of the program and a great second half of the program coming to you. In the next segment, we're going to chat a little bit about the NFL and what we can expect 
to see there, and uh, there's lots to chat about there. There's even an update on Antonio Brown, which I'll give you in a bit. But now, I want to talk about a few things with Mr. Jenkins, and the first one I would like to discuss is the Evander Kane's situation, who has been released from the San Jose Sharks recently after signing a seven-year deal with the organization, which has now been terminated. He reported reportedly was released from the Sharks, at least in part because he was producing false vaccine papers. NHL Players Association has filed a grievance on his behalf. If you'll remember that Evander Kane was also part of the uh, tracksuit gate, which got him removed from the Winnipeg Jets. I was listening to an interview done with Kane when the tracksuit situation happened, and he said that it was uh, reported on wrong. He did not come in in a tracksuit. However, he does agree that he did not come in in the appropriate attire that is needed for game day. And for those of you that may not know, on game day, you must be in a suit and tie in the NHL. He admits he was not part of, he was not wearing that and not doing that, but it was not a full out tracksuit. Mr. Jenkins, what say you about one Evander Kane? Well, first and foremost, uh, you keep calling me Mr. Jenkins, and that's my father. I don't know why you're giving me so much respect on this show, but I appreciate it, I guess. But um, Evander Kane, I think, like, this isn't just his second chance. This is his third, his fourth, his fifth chance uh, that he's getting um, if he ends up signing another contract uh, with another team. Um, You know, He's alleged to have, uh, I believe, sexually assaulted um, as well. Um, He's, you know, the alleged, uh, well, I guess it's not alleged uh, for the fake uh, vaccine um, passport um, because that, I believe, was uh, looked at by the NHL and they found him guilty and gave him, I think it was a 21-game suspension. So, like... And apparently he's just a bad dude, and that's why most of the sharks in the dressing room didn't want him back there. So, like, in one sense, I'm like, why would you give him another chance when he seems to have already had five or six chances? Uh, But at the other uh, end of the spectrum, you see, like, NFL players and all the bad that they've done, and they keep getting chances as well, and... Let me ask you this, Brock. Do you really think that if Evander Kane uh, ends up joining the Edmonton Oilers like it is alleged to um, be happening, um, if he ends up having a a wicked uh, playoff performance, uh, ends up scoring the Stanley Cup winning goal and is uh, the uh, MVP uh, of the NHL playoffs, um, do you really think people are going to care that all of this happened, and even as uh, detractors of fans saying, oh, no, he shouldn't be with Edmonton. I don't want him on my team. Do you really think that they're going to say, oh, I'm glad we didn't get Evander Kane if he ends up winning the uh, MVP? Not even close. Uh, this is Leagues like this are a result-based league. If that guy goes and scores a cha- uh, championship goal or wins a round or or what have you, at any level, all things are easily forgotten in that situation. And 
I still think this will be a cloud above his head because as you rightfully point out, this isn't chance one, this isn't chance two, this isn't chance three. We're getting into our second hand of chances that we have to talk about here. And one of the things that was said recently by uh, Ken Holland, who has been reported to have talked to uh, Mr. Kane's um, agent he said, I believe in second chances. As long as you learn from your mistakes and you can move forward from them, then I believe in second chances. Now, he said second chances. We've just named three or four different things that he has done, which assuming then he's not necessarily learning from his mistakes and therefore it's being a challenge. Now, the other the other the other example I will give you is when you and I and Claire were chatting about um um Aaron Rodgers who hasn't been the greatest teammate off the field according to multiple reports but if that guy goes and wins the Super Bowl I have the same answer Cameron I I don't think it matters as much I think it should but I don't think it I don't think it will No I I really don't think that it's going to matter at the end of the day. Um, you know, if he is the one that's going to uh, bring them to the promised land uh, to be able to get out of the first rounds um, or even to get into the playoffs uh, because Edmonton's had some challenges getting into the playoffs. And, like, Edmonton has one line of good scoring. And after that, their secondary, second, um, you know, secondary scoring is abysmal. So you need Kane in order to be able to, uh, you know, help their offense out. But more than anything, Edmonton, they need a goalie. <laughs> and if they get a half-decent goalie, then you may have to watch out you mean, for Edmonton. You mean Mike Smith is not your guy that you're Absolutely picking up not. Come on. for the rest of time? No, it's, <laughs> I agree. I was saying that kind of uh, facetiously there, of course. But, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things that... That you know, you need a guy who's going to contribute on, on the ice, but and he can do that. But if you're not the best teammate off the ice, sometimes that can translate back on the ice. So yeah, you can get the you know injection of oh, we got a new player, good scoring, good uh, good offensive speed, good good two way player, etc. So if those bad apples are in there from a personal level, you cannot tell me that that does not affect the locker room uh, moving forward. And I, I just think that that's part of what's going on here. The other report that I wanted to get your thoughts on was that um, Mike Babcock is uh, currently coaching uh, the University of uh, Saskatchewan on a volunteer basis, why you ask? Because technically speaking, up until the end of this season, the Toronto Maple Leafs are still paying Mike Babcock, so he can afford to do some volunteer work. Having said that, <laughs> uh, Ken Holland is the um, president and GM over there, uh, and the history with Mike Babcock in the Red Wings, would you take a flyer on both Mike Babcock and Evander Kane at the same time, or is that just too much in one team, do you think? Well, Mike Babcock, I'd give him more of a chance than I would Evander Kane. 
Um, with Mike Babcock, uh, from what uh, I've read and um, yeah, from what I've read, he likes to play mind games with players and uh, he just, uh, you know, a lot of players have just said that he's not a good person. Um, but if you look at wherever he's gone, he's gotten results. So uh, he might be uh, one of those coaches where you're, he's good for two or three years to get a program going and then to be able to, you know, fire him after two or three years. So uh, I think uh, Mike Babcock, I, I really don't want to hire him for Edmonton either, but I would do that. If I had to pick one, I'd pick hiring Babcock over Kane because Mike Babcock, I think, has shown over and over again that, uh, you know, he gets his teams to play uh, really well uh, with what's there. Yeah, I agree. I just don't know if putting those two situations together really gives you a recipe for success in in Edmonton. And, I mean, we know that, them getting draft picks isn't a recipe for success in Edmonton. They have the talent. They have the pieces that can put together a good team. They need to find a coach that is really, really going to be able to do that. But again, I will say this. Can you get a coach to scrap on goalie pads, uh, skates? No. The, the answer to that is no. And I think no. the truth is, that's where they need to look first. They need to look first uh, on the back end, maybe adding, you know, a second line. Their secondary scoring, as you point out, is next to nothing. It's just awful uh, situation. In their They're defense, in they need a top four defenseman as well. Like you have Nurse there and some would say, you know, whether or not he's a top defenseman, but he's uh, certainly playing uh, the minutes like a top defenseman, but he needs some help. So th- they need a top four defenseman. So like before the trade deadline, which I believe is on March the 10th, uh, how the heck are you going to get a goalie, a top four defenseman? And well, if you get a Vander Kane, you just kind of pick him off the scrap heap and you're not giving any assets up for him. Um, however, how else are you going to get kind of secondary scoring? Um you know, without depleting their, uh, the miners to or draft picks, which Holland doesn't necessarily want to do because he's done it in the past and he's running out of those picks in order to be able to make his uh, team better. So, you know, being a GM, it's such a fine balance uh, between the now and the future. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Um you know, what the GM does in Edmonton uh, to be able to make his team better. But I think the number one thing is getting a goalie. And the one big benefit of getting Evander Kane, aside from everything else, and we know the talent is there, but the one big benefit and the one carrot that may be dangling in front of Ken Holland is he doesn't have to give up anyone, as you point out. And that Maybe enough for Ken Holland to say, let's try this. Let's see where this goes. And he has been on record to say, if I do bring him on, this is only going to be until the end of the season and we'll see from there. So talk about a short contract where you have to produce. That's what we're going to want to see. And I think Ken Holland may take a chance on Evander Kane just because you don't have to give up any assets 
You just have to pay money moving forward. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, moving forward in Edmonton. With that, though, we're going to take a break. We're going to preview uh, NFL wildcard weekend. We're also going to chat a little more hockey, potentially chat a little bit of what's going on out there in Vancouver. And maybe, just maybe, Josh Watson will join us on the other side of the break. We'll be right back. I know, I know. Slap me on the hand. Slap me on the hand. I previewed Josh Watson coming back to the program. Nope. Sadly, that is not the case, folks. Josh has been bitten by uh, Windows updates and will not be joining us on this episode. So you have Cameron and I for the entire show and the remainder of the program. Josh will be back with us in future weeks. Uh, I have to talk with you again. Yes, I'm sorry. This is four segments in a row. I, I do apologize that you have to deal with me all by yourself. But I miss uh, talking with Josh. You know, like, I don't want to talk to you all the time. I want to talk with Josh, too. Uh, that's fair. Well, we'll be, sure to, we'll be sure to bring Josh back on, and you can talk to him more than me, and that's fine. Um, let's, uh, Cam, talk a little bit about... Uh, what's going on in Vancouver? Because this is intriguing to me. Now, if you're listening to this on podcast, at the time, we know that um, Bruce Boudreaux has got six wins and one regulation loss and one overtime loss. Now, most of the time, Cameron, you hear, oh, when you get a new coach, you get a jump, you, you know, maybe you win, you know, two out of your first Three, you, you you get a good jump and no oh, new coach, new voice, etc. I'm kind of of the opinion now that we're uh, we've kind of gone past that new coach, new jump uh, situation. I think now uh, Bruce Boudreau has really put into place his systems, his things that he wants to do and this team has been playing well they've been thoroughly entertaining for me to watch what say you on the new coach new jump how long do you believe it takes oh well with Bruce Boudreau uh he's more of an offensive coach than a defensive minded coach so I think that's why you see Vancouver doing so well because uh Bruce is just telling them to shoot like every shot's a good shot there's no bad shot so I I think that's why they've done as well as they have um and they still might uh, do well from now until the end of the season with that uh, shooting attitude uh however um uh, they're not in the playoffs as of right now. I think as of a week or two ago, I think I heard that they were three games back out of a wild card spot. So they've certainly come a long way uh, from where they were. Um, but, you know, in the playoffs, it's all about defense at the end of the day. So I think Vancouver, uh, once again, they might have a little problems if they do get to the playoffs uh, because it's defensive-minded, and I don't think they would pass the first round. That's even if they got to the playoffs. Um, the goaltender, um, 
you know, that's a lot better than it was at the beginning of the year. And I think that's another reason for Vancouver's improvement as well um, is just the goaltending. I would agree. And I, and I think there is a level of, you know, when you get into the playoffs, uh, the whistle is a bit different, you know, less penalties called, you know, teams play it very differently. Uh, It's looked at very differently. It's more of a, trap game where you kind of limit your offensive players and I think you're absolutely correct when you say that um, that this would be the case uh, if Vancouver was to happen to get there. Let's move on towards uh, the wildcard weekend. Let's start with the uh, New England Patriots versus the Buffalo Bills. Your thoughts on this one are what, Cam? Well, with the last couple of games for the Bills, Josh Allen, um, he's completed only uh, 49.3% of his passes. And New England, they have a good defense. So it's really going to depend on Josh Allen because as the uh, Bills go, Josh Allen goes, or as Josh Allen goes, rather, the Bills go. So uh, he's going to end up having to make, uh, you know, a lot more passes uh, as far as percentage goes. Um, I think Diggs, he's been there all season. I think he's going to have a good game. And uh, he, he has played really well against his counterpart when he's on the field, and that's J.C. Jackson. So uh, look for Diggs to you know have a good game. And also the Bills need to keep the penalties down. Uh, they've been the fourth, fourth most penalized team as far as penalties go. And they've almost, uh, you know, had some losses just because of the penalties, but they've been able to pull it out. So I think for the Bills to win, um, that is kind of the, the keys for the Bills winning. Uh, as far as New England goes, um, you know, they have a new quarterback. Is he going to be able to complete the passes? Um are the Bills going to be able to rush him uh, to get him throwing when he doesn't want to? Um, we all know Bill Belichick. Uh, he is uh, phenomenal as a coach. Uh, he's going to have his team ready. Um, the defense, I think, with uh, New England, uh, they've been phenomenal all year. Um, and there have been low-scoring games for the most part with New England. So I think the defense, if they do what they do with New England, I think that uh, you know they're going to definitely have a chance with the Bills. However, I think the Bills are going to uh, win this one. Yeah, I agree. I think the only concern that I would add on the uh, Buffalo Bills side is a report came out yesterday that Josh Allen was saying it's cold in Buffalo and that he's having uh, trouble with uh, circulation and, um, you know, feeling his body when in Buffalo. And one of the first things that came to my mind was mm, this shouldn't have been new to you. You signed in Buffalo. You're here until like the 2028, 2029 season. You're here for quite some time. You are deemed the franchise quarterback. Cam, I was very puzzled that he actually came out, you know, days before the uh, matchup and said, yeah, I'm having trouble well on the field with circulation because of the cold weather. And I don't think you need to give Bill Belichick any additional reason to kind of fuel his guys and say, okay, they've come out and said this, let's feast on it. And so 
Josh Allen does have to come out and do Josh Allen things. They do have to have a little bit of the run game, which they really haven't had. They've had to rely a lot on Josh Allen moving around the pocket, Josh Allen, you know, uh, being heroic. And I think Bill Belichick will um, isolate that. So you need to have a little bit of a run game. And I'm not saying it's got to be 50-50 because obviously Josh Allen is primarily a uh, uh, you know, passer, but you do need to mix up um, your offense because Bill Belichick and the uh, defense of the Patriots will just eat you up if you're consistently passing. You may get away with it for the first half, but then adjustments happen, and that's where my concern is. At any further comments on the Buffalo Bills, or are we no, finished there? Well. I think you made some really good points about Josh Allen and him being able to run the football too. Um, if uh, Singletary, I think he's a big runner for uh, the Buffalo Bills. So if he's able to have, um, you know, a good game, doesn't have to be an amazing game, but a good game, uh, I think that, yeah, um, that's really going to look in the Bills' favor as well. Yeah. And again, this, you know, Bills, there was some discussion of, you know, they're looking at, a new stadium in Buffalo in the future and will there be a dome? And I think that would be advantageous, but Buffalo seems to believe that it's a quote unquote advantage. And I, and I'm not so sure I believe that, especially if your franchise quarterback is saying, look, it's cold here. And so maybe that's something we need to look at in the future uh, to get the best out of Josh Allen. Oh, man. Forward, but the- you know what, Josh Allen, wear a toot, put some mittens on and one of those big Buffalo Bills jackets when you're on the sidelines and that'll keep you warm. Like you're making so many millions of dollars. Don't talk to me about how it's cold. Yeah. Especially when you know uh, the climate of, of Buffalo and, and moving, moving forward. Uh, the one game that I want to touch on is, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I will take the words out of Josh Watson, who said this on our pre-show. He said, congratulations, Philadelphia. You you made a playoff game. Tampa Bay is probably going to run roughshod over you, and I would agree. Cameron, is there any chance Philadelphia pulls off an upset here? Well, in order for them to pull an upset, uh, you're going to have to take a look at Miles Sanders, who's the running back. He's going to end up having to have a big game, and he's not necessarily going to be able to go up the middle, but he's going to have to go out to the sides to be able to get those uh, yards for running. Um, and the Eagles, they did average six yards per carry this year, where uh, the Bucks they only had about, I think it was 4.5 or 4.6 yards per carry. Um, and the Bucks, they had uh, problems defending the run pass option last week. So if that holds, uh, the Eagles, they are a running team and they're very, uh, have a very run heavy offense. And they actually had the league high with 159.7 rush yards per game. So if the Eagles can uh, get their run game going and get quite a few yards from that, as well as being able to stretch it out and get some passes, um, and if the Eagles' defense holds, then that's the way that they're going to beat the Bucks, in my opinion. Yep, I would agree 100%. 
I I do think that uh, Tom Tom Brady has the edge there with uh, Rob Gronkowski. Yep, they've had a bit of drama with Antonio Brown, but I think uh, they've dealt with that and they're moving on as a team. And I do not think they're going to have adverse effects from that. The game that I want to focus on here now is not so much the game coming up this week, but I want to chat a little bit about the Oakland Raiders who, uh, um, sorry, not the Oakland Raiders, the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. I'm still in the old team uh, terminology. The Las Vegas Raiders who played the Los Angeles Chargers last week. Talk about two uh, city changes for teams here. Uh, The situation was that if both teams, talking about uh, uh, L.A. and Las Vegas, if it ended in a tie, they both would make it. And uh, it did not end in a tie. The Oakland Raiders uh, kicked the field goal in overtime and therefore advanced. Would you, Cameron, play the sportsmanlike feel as the uh, L.A. Chargers said they were going to do, or would you go all out for the win um, in this case? Uh, Quite simply, you play to win. You don't play to tie, um, even though both would have made the playoffs. Like, you play to win. So uh, this whole tie business, I don't understand it, why, um, you know, they would agree to do it, which I don't think they did. But, like, you're there to win, and that's all you're there to do. Just win, baby. And I will say that the Oakland Raiders, had they tied, they would have played Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs and did not have success against them this year. So they also could have been playing the board and saying, no, we want to win this game. Uh, sorry, L.A., but uh, this is a win league, and that's that simple. And I, I think that that's the right way to go. I mean, I think if we, you know, as athletes, if we said, oh, we're just going to tie so everyone's fair that would be uh that would be a disservice to your competitors moving forward i want to give you uh the last word on this one do you think there's any chance that the kansas city chiefs lose this weekend i certainly do not think there's any chance that the kansas city chiefs lose this weekend at all i think that uh, pittsburgh as good as they are they're not that good and Patrick Mahomes will get it done. That is the end of our show for this week. I'd like to thank Cam Jenkins. And I'd also like to thank our technical producer, Matt Agnew. Our technical supervisor is Paula Deneen. And our manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you just never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Have a great weekend and we'll talk to you next week. Be safe. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.